our gospel reading comes from Matthew chapter 2. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who's been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I also may go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, at the time of the Magi, or wise men, as we heard in our scripture, that's how our translation read, at the time that they come to Israel, the people have long been waiting, waiting for God to save them. They live under the crushing oppression of the Roman government, and Rome has put in place King Herod, who has ruled for 40 years, and he was known for his brutality and his cruelty. So finally, they hear this good news that they've been longing for, news that a new king has been born, that God is doing something new. But this news comes from people they see as strange, people coming from a distant land. And we read Herod and all the people are frightened. That's a little strange. It makes sense that Herod's frightened. Like if a new king is born, that really threatens Herod's power. So of course he's frightened. But I'm curious, why are all the people frightened with him? I wonder if it's maybe because their own wise men, the chief priests and the scribes, aren't the ones who know this news. We hear about magi, and though they were referred to as wise men, they weren't really wise men. They also weren't kings, though we're going to sing We Three Kings in a little while. They were likely political officials, and they were, this is a mouthful, but they were Zoroastrian priests meaning they came from another religion. They were astrologers, not astronomers, but astrologers. They read the stars for signs. And one scholar put it this way, they were well known for telling fortunes and preparing daily horoscopes, something that we in the Christian tradition don't put a lot of trust in. So they certainly are not followers of the Lord God. They're seen as outsiders. And yet our God creates a sign for them, a sign that they can understand to lead them to Jesus. Maybe that's why the people are so afraid of this news, that God is working so far outside of what they think is possible through people whom they think shouldn't have this kind of insight. 
Though I mentioned that the Magi aren't wise men, there are wise men in this story. They are the chief priests and the scribes whom Herod uses as his key advisors. The chief priests and the scribes are well-versed in the scriptures. They're the ones whom we would expect they would see and know how God's working and God's showing up in the world. They know their Bible inside and out. I want to repeat that. These religious leaders are the ones who know their Bible inside and out, and they fail to see where God's showing up. That might be a word of caution for us. Are there ever times when we are so certain of our own rightness that we miss listening for the Holy Spirit working through other people? Maybe through those we don't expect to hear the Holy Spirit working? I saw a meme this past week posted online, and it was posted by a church member, not from here, on a different church site. And if we can go to the next slide, it showed the heaviest objects in the universe. So it has the sun, and then a neutron star a little heavier, and then a black hole a little heavier. And I was like, where is this going, and why is it posted on a church site? And if we go to the next one, the heaviest object of all going down through the ground, you probably can't read it from there. Says the crushing weight of being the only person on the whole internet with the correct theology. I can feel that weight sometimes. <laughs> How about you? Do you ever feel like you might be, can't other people see what I see? Like, understand God how I do? I must be right. I think if we ask this in any church in any place, there could be hands going up. Even though all different churches come to God with a different interpretation of how they read our scriptures. Our center is Jesus Christ, but we all come to the scriptures in a different way, and we all think that we've got the right track on it. That's why we're in the churches we're in. And I wonder if we might gain even more if we would listen for how the Holy Spirit is working through all of us. Perhaps it's our theological certainty as Christians that's one of our great weaknesses, we aren't going to take time right now, but if you look back over history, how many atrocities have been done in the name of God by religious folks who were absolutely certain they were right and refused to listen to any other way? It goes all the way back to Jesus. The scribes and the chief priests, these are the ones who are certainly right. They know the Bible inside and out. And yet, instead of receiving Jesus, they later become a part of a plot to kill him. It's the Magi, people who are seen outside of God's promises back then, whom God chooses to bring to Jesus to get that insight. If we think about certainty and doubt, over a year ago, our council had spent several months going through a study called Growing Young. It's a book. We did the video study, and it's based on research of churches that have done ministry with young people well. It's about six essential strategies to help young people discover and love church. And one of the six strategies is taking Jesus' message seriously. When they were talking about that topic, they mentioned that over 70% of high school students involved in churches, over 70% of high school students involved in churches, experience serious doubt about faith or about God. And only a quarter of those ever share that with anyone. One of the leaders noted that it's not doubt that's toxic to faith. I think we so often think we have to be absolutely certain in our faith and we feel like we can't share our doubts or our struggles. 
One of the leaders of the study said, it's not doubt that's toxic to faith, it's silence. It's unexpressed doubt. What they found is that students who feel like they have a safe place to express doubts and struggles, they get through the transition to an adulthood with faith. To actually be able to name those and talk about them with someone helps them endure, continue on in faith. And I think not just for young people, but for all of us, we need to know that God is not afraid of our questions, that our questions and our wonderings aren't off limits in the church. You know, we often go to the Bible as like an answer book. We think it has this answer to all kinds of things we're wondering about. But the study notes that the Bible is primarily a book that raises questions. If you look at the Psalms, over a third of them are laments, crying out to God with questions and asking God to respond. I think we all want that certainty in our faith. We want to be 100% certain all the time. But we all face questions and things we do not understand in life. And we're invited to be honest about that. If we look around at the world or even our own lives, we know that there are forces opposed to God and God's way at work in this world. We read at the end of our gospel reading today that the Magi are forced to go on a different road than the road they want to go on to get back home. And it's because of Herod's violence. If you read further in the gospel, Herod orders that all boys, two and under, are to be killed in and around Bethlehem in hopes of saving his power and getting rid of this new king. So because of this violence, the Magi are forced to go by a different road. We, too, at times, are forced to go on a different road, to take another path in our lives than we would have chosen. It could be due to an illness or a divorce that we didn't see coming. It might be because we lose a job. Whatever it may be, we can end up on a path in life that we did not expect or plan for. If we look at the Magi, what we see is that the light and the hope that they experienced in Jesus it continues to go with them, to be with them, as they travel this different, unplanned road. And the same is true for every one of us here today. I think about a story I read several years ago in the book Unbinding the Gospel. And in it, the writers share about a woman who had told them that she'd been going through a very hard time in her life. She'd been struggling through a tough transition and she shared that she had talked with friends about what was going on. She told them everything that was happening. And after a while, she decided to try a church. And so one Sunday morning, she walked into the congregation that was close to her house. And she was shocked to find five of her friends and coworkers sitting in that sanctuary. She had discussed her problems with most of those people. And not one of them had suggested that church might help. Even worse, she had no idea that many of them were members of a church. She didn't even know that they were followers of Jesus because they'd never shared it with her. Sometimes we do share the light and the grace of Jesus in huge and meaningful ways. And sometimes we just keep it to ourselves. If you think about the people in your life right now, who needs that light and grace this week? Who needs that light and grace this year? Maybe the first thing we do isn't to say, hey, come to church with me. Maybe a first step is to intentionally pray for that person or those people that you know who need a sign of light and grace. To ask for God's guidance and nudging 
And help us to respond. How can you support and offer hope in ways that will most meet their needs? I think about the different roads that people have to walk. All the different challenges that some of us here have faced, some of you maybe even this past year, or the challenges that I know people in our community are facing or across the world. As we start into this new year, I think of the light of Jesus that forever remains with us. And I remember words that I once read in a book that I try to read fairly often. As we start into the new year, here are these words. The words are, stay calm with whatever's happening. Stay connected to other people of faith. Stay the course that Jesus sets before us, because the mission of Christ will not fail. Stay calm, stay connected, stay the course. The mission of Jesus Christ to bring light and hope and joy and healing and love to us and all this hurting world, that mission of Jesus will not fail, no matter what the challenges are out there. May we all live that mission more fully for each other and for God's world in this new year. Amen.